everyone. Welcome, welcome to show 23 on Crypto Voices. Matthew Majinskis, your host here from Latvia, joined by my co-host, Fernando Ulrich from Brazil. Hello, Matthew. And today we are going to introduce Maxim Kedun and Roman Snetko from the global online exchange Hodl Hodl, based in Riga, Latvia. Max is the CEO and Roman the CTO. We're going to talk about their commercial activities with Hodl Hodl, uh, and then we're also going to spend some time talking about their stacked, star-studded conference coming up in just over a week, 25th to 26th of November in Riga, fondly dubbed the Baltic Honey Badger Bitcoin Conference. Max and Roma, welcome to Crypto Voices. Hi, Matthew. Um, hi, Fernando. Uh, glad to talk to you. Hi. Hi. Great to have you guys here. I'm um, very excited to have you on the show. And our listeners should know by now that uh, Latvia has been my home country for uh, quite a while, about 11 years. So it's, uh, it's great to talk to you guys about the conference that's going to be coming up, about your business, and um, about Bitcoin. So let's talk about HODL HODL to begin. Um, Max, I guess I'll address this one to you. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you guys started uh, the idea, why you wanted to do an exchange, and maybe uh, how long you've been in Bitcoin and how you got into crypto. Well, Roma actually been been quite uh, a longer time in in the Bitcoin community, in the crypto community, and his was and this was initially his idea. But actually, we we like two years ago, I think we we thought that there's no proper peer-to-peer exchanges on the market because uh, by that time local bitcoins was too difficult another alternative was also too difficult and um, that's basically was the main idea how we how we decided to to start our 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 venture and uh, i'm in crypto like for i think for five years and uh, roma maybe can tell a bit more because he's he's a guy who's uh, in crypto for a longer time period i i think max is right we we just realized that um there were no proper uh peer-to-peer bitcoin exchanges like we saw we, we saw the problems that that local bitcoins had uh namely the, the most important one is that they still hold the bitcoins uh whereas hodl hodl doesn't do that and we our users deposit Bitcoins into a uh, multi-sig address, P2SH address, um, and two keys are required to release the funds. One key from HODL HODL and the other key uh, from uh, from the seller of Bitcoins. And that makes it inherently much safer than local Bitcoins. There's just like one, um, one of the most important advantages of the exchange that we conceived and then built. Yeah, and... Um... The next question I would have with that, is it better to classify your exchange then as a peer-to-peer online exchange uh, and not a decentralized exchange uh, as you still have some client-server relationship then with your clients? Yeah, it's it's actually better to classify it as peer-to-peer exchange and decentralized to some extent because we have uh, like... On the market, some exchanges that are, that are uh, in terms of decentralization, they're they're better. Correct. Yes, we uh, have uh, servers on which our on which our software is running, and that means we are centralized in that sense. But we are peer to peer because users trade between each other directly, and we're just a platform that facilitates that trade. Yeah, important feature. Also, we don't um, oblige users to use our own wallets. We don't have actually our own wallets. And, and as Roma mentioned, for each uh, contract or for each trade made, made on our exchange, we're creating uh, an escrow account on, on Bitcoin's blockchain, which is publicly available. And you can check it, uh, you can check it whether the Bitcoins are in, on, on this address, whether they've been released. And that's, the, I think, one of, one of the main advantages. And another advantage as I mentioned in the beginning, we were really, really disappointed with user interface, user experience, which in our opinion was was quite hard to grasp. Uh, just to clarify what Max said, uh, when he said that we uh, don't ask our users to use um, wallets, I think as it, it, what he meant is, was that some exchanges sort of say uh, that, hey, this is your wallet to which you're 
you deposit your funds. I think local bitcoins does that, but in reality, it's actually not the user's wallet, but it's uh, the exchange's wallet. Um, and that, that, that's that's the problem, and that's one thing we definitely do not do. Yeah, I think that that's obviously uh, an extremely important point, and it's just an ele- a lesson that users are going to have to learn again and again, uh, both in the act of exchanging their coins, but also after you exchange, um, you know, getting them quickly into a wallet uh, you control or the private keys that you control. Uh, it's extremely, it's just an extremely important thing. One more question regarding uh, your customers then. Is your exchange geared toward, you know, the everyday retail user or more technical or more enterprise? I mean, uh, with a name like Hoddle Hoddle, if everybody's hodling, you know, who's going to buy and sell on your exchange? Oh, actually, it's 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 quite an quite interesting question because uh, from one point of view, we provide a high level of security, uh, which is suitable for uh, large volume trades, like for 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 bigger bigger traders or whales, as we say. Uh, from another point of view, as I mentioned, we were really really concerned with user interface and user experience, and we 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 want to provide simplicity for people who are not familiar with with buying uh, crypto. Uh, in our case, particularly Bitcoin and Litecoin. Uh, so I think it's suitable for everyone, basically. But uh, so it, it it's 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 easy to buy. It's easy to to use it and. On, on the other hand, uh, there's extremely sophisticated tech behind that, which is useful also for tech geeks and people who are like more uh, more sophisticated with crypto and, and they trade with larger volumes like that. Now, speaking about uh, Bitcoin's main feature is this is something it some some people try to look for the killer app of Bitcoin and they say well we should have one killer app and this is the killer app for every every single place in the whole planet and the fact is it's different based on the region you are living in so in Venezuela for example perhaps a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin right now is almost a survival technology in other places perhaps it's just a speculative investment or speculative asset in other places it can be a very good instrument for international transfers what would you say is Bitcoin's main feature for Latvians or the Baltic countries or even Russia in my opinion, actually, you don't need to, to find a Bitcoin killer app. Uh, Bitcoin itself is a killer app, basically, as, as we as we treat it, as, and Roma can agree with me on that. Uh, the tech is just so amazing, and, and there's no need to find uh, a killer app for Bitcoin. It, it, it itself it's, it presents the, the super great technology itself. Bitcoin is a killer app. But uh, in terms of in Baltics, I think it's um, mostly it's a store of value and an investment investment uh, vehicle for for people. Uh, I don't know in terms of Russia. Probably Roma would would, would add more uh, because he's he's on that market, not not me. Right. So I think uh, for certain countries. Um, uh, peer-to-peer exchanges are very essential. Um, Russia is one of them. Um, I, I know that Latin America is quite active, but uh, I th- uh, probably Fernando is more um, knowledgeable about uh, this region. Asia is also great. I, I think third world countries generally uh, have a higher demand for peer-to-peer exchanges simply because they do not have they do not have centralized exchanges uh, that are um, you know properly. Uh, legalized, um, but people still want to buy and sell Bitcoin, and uh, in that sense, peer-to-peer exchanges really serve a great purpose there. Um, and of course, then um, you get countries like Venezuela, where it's basically, uh, as you Fernando said, um, it's a survival uh, tool. Um, so, in, in terms of hodl hodl, I think uh, we're going to be good for um, for any country. Uh, it's just. Uh, People want to buy and sell for different reasons. We don't care about the reasons. We just want to provide a useful instrument to buy and sell. I do see that you are touting no KYC, so know your customer and anti-money laundering, so AML, as a priority for users of your exchange. So why is that? Are you concerned about regulation? And how have you worked that into your agreements with your fiat service providers such as Skrill? 
Right. So we don't actually have any agreements with um, payment systems, and I don't think local bitcoins has that either. Um, so basically, our model is very similar to local bitcoins, except that again we don't even hold the money. So in no way we are a money transmitter service or anything like that. People trade between themselves directly. That's why it's a peer-to-peer -peer exchange. So we don't really have to to have agreements with Skrill or PayPal or WebMoney or any other payment system out there or any other uh, bank out there. It's just people trading between themselves. And that's why we don't really uh, require any license at all. The person who is trading uh, on our platform, it's up to him uh, to choose a payment system that he's willing, whether it will be, I don't know, Skrill, Bankwire or a cash transaction, whatever. So uh, because we don't hold and just provide technical tools and an environment, uh, we are not obliged to make any kind of uh, KYC IML. And we actually strongly believe that, that Bitcoin is opposed to that. And we're trying to build our product using this uh, ideology and, and, and this kind of approach. Can you walk us through uh, an example of a trade, for example, using cash? and how your escrow account would work in that case and how the functionality that you offer in a cash trade may be different. At what point is it different than using, say, local Bitcoins? Right, so um, I'm just gonna simplify the workflow, but basically you sign up on the website and then you go, uh, let's say you want to, to buy Bitcoins. So you click on, on the Buy Bitcoins link um, in the menu and then you see all the offers in your particular country and then you can even choose um, select the currency that you're willing to trade in that you're willing to buy bitcoins for and uh, and then you you pick an offer that uh, you like best it's probably going to be based on um, on the most attractive price and then the rating of the trader uh, which is also very important when it comes to peer-to-peer -peer exchanges um, and so let's say you like the trader he's got 100% rating um, all positive reviews, uh, you click on his offer and uh, then you decide how much you want to buy and then you click accept offer and create contract. And then uh, you're presented with the contract page where you have a chat window with the other trader. And um, at that point, the other trader will have to lock his Bitcoins. He, he's gonna have to send the Bitcoins to a special escrow address to which, as I said, you would need two keys to release the funds from. One key belongs to HODL HODL, the other key belongs to the trader. And so as soon as he does that, you will see a notification that, hey, the Bitcoins are locked, it is now safe to send the money. If, if it's a cash transaction, you just hand him the cash. If it's uh, a transaction through one of the payment systems, you just send him the money via PayPal or Skrill or any other uh, payment system that you agreed upon. Um, and as soon as you do that, the trader uh, checks his balance uh, and uh, if everything's fine, he uh, releases the Bitcoins to the address that you specified. So uh, this is how the trade is finalized. Now, I see that you offer Litecoin and Bitcoin support right now. So presumably into most major fiat currencies. But how many cryptocurrencies do you plan on offering in the future? Yeah, I'm always like hitting Roma with this request, you know, <laughs> but I think we will, uh, we will currently stick and we will launch a public, we will make a public launch, uh, using, uh, only these two cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and Litecoin. Roma can elaborate why we choose them. Definitely Bitcoin because, because we are fans of Bitcoin and, and Litecoin probably because it's, it's similar to, 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 to Bitcoin. As mentioned, Previously, I, I'm actually a fan of Monero, so it would be nice to add a Monero, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a future. It's probably a future for our, for our exchange. The reason we decided to add Litecoin is because it's, uh, technologically, it's very similar to Bitcoin. It's basically, um, you know, it's one of the earliest uh, forks of Bitcoin. It wasn't a big deal technologically to add Litecoin to our exchange, whereas when it comes to... Um, currencies like Ethereum or Monero or, um, you know, some other um, uh, currencies. It's just, uh, it's definitely much 
more difficult and a lot more effort is required to add them to the exchange. Some of them might not even support multi-sig and uh, P2SH addresses uh, or something similar that would allow an escrow address uh, and uh, the workflow that we currently have on the exchange. Uh, so this decision is basically based on um, how similar Litecoin is to Bitcoin. And then uh, you have to think about security. Whenever you add a new technology to the stack, there's always a risk um, because you have, to, you have to think of all the different angles of attack that appear simply because you add this new technology. Uh, and you, mo- you might not even be aware of those new angles of attack. Um, simply because there are holes in 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 this uh, other in, in this other technology, so uh, you got to be very careful when making uh, decisions uh, such as adding a new cryptocurrency to the exchange. Yeah, makes sense. Um, now, guys, I mean, if I go to hodlhodl.com right now, I'm greeted with a uh, possibility to enter my email and a message saying opening soon. So is there anything uh, regarding the exchange that you want to mention uh, as far as next steps or timeline, or is that to be determined still? Uh, actually, we have a testnet, testnet.hodlhodl.com. So if anyone wants to play to see uh, how, how it's going to look, how it's going to work out, you can, you're free to use that. It works with testnet bitcoins and testnet litecoins. Regarding the timing, we will probably make a production presentation during our conference next week, and we will launch a um, semi-closed beta uh, for December and probably in January. So uh, during the December, we will test it on production uh, with our dedicated traders and, and brokers uh, who are requesting all these things. We will then uh, receive the feedback and in January, we are planning for a public launch. We want to, to make a really, really good product. And we want to, we're currently working, developing on, on few things that we think it's, is important to, to have them by the public launch. So uh, probably the public launch, as I mentioned, in January and closed beta already in uh, December, end of November. So maybe Roma can add something more to that. So I, I just want to say a few things about the testnet. I would encourage everyone to try out the testnet. It's not going anywhere. Uh, it's going to be running as a separate website on uh, testnet.hodlhodl.com. Uh, and the reason we decided to build testnet first is because we realized how important is it to learn um, how to use Bitcoin, how to buy and sell Bitcoin, especially for people who've never done that. And, and that's the majority of people. Um, and uh, most exchanges don't really have that. They, at least publicly, uh, they don't have the testnet version where people can uh, safely uh, learn how to buy and sell Bitcoin. It, w- it was the case for me actually when I first, when I did my first trade on local Bitcoins, um, I almost screwed up um, because I, I I didn't know what I was doing. And um, I, I think it's a big deal for people. I know quite a few people who say, hey, we want to buy Bitcoin, but it's we are really scared that something that we do something wrong and we'll lose money or lose Bitcoins. And that's why we built Testnet. So I think, uh, again, I would encourage everyone to just uh, try it out. And uh, we have um, a few videos on, on YouTube where you can just uh, see how it works and then try it out for yourself, uh, get Testnet. Bitcoins or Litecoins for free. Uh, we show that how to do that as well in the videos and uh, just try it out. I agree. I mean, I, you don't hear that advertised too much talking about, uh, you know, just taking some time looking at the test net, but uh, having a fully functional one where any user can interact with it, uh, it is a very good point. And obviously when we're talking about peer-to-peer or fairly decentralized exchanging of uh, digital cash. I mean, just just super important. So it's very that's a very interesting point to make. Anything else, guys, before uh, I want to move on to the conference, but anything else regarding HODL HODL that you want to point out? One thing that uh, we're currently working on, um, and that's why we sort of delayed the, the public launch a little bit, it's not a secret right now that the fees, the transaction fees in Bitcoin are really high. So um, given our workflow, uh, given our current workflow, uh, that you have to um, to lock bitcoins for each contract, that makes it a little bit inconvenient uh, for some traders. So we're working on the solution uh, that doesn't sacrifice the safety that we have uh, with the multi-sig P2SH addresses, um, but at the same time that would um, 
decrease the uh, the fees that the traders pay, the transaction fees that they pay, at least in half. So uh, hopefully that that's going to be a good solution. Um, it's one of the things that uh, I wanted to mention that we're working on. Okay, very good. Let's move on to uh, to the conference. So it's in a little over a week from when this episode will be launched. I am very excited to be there, uh, and I commend you guys on bringing, you know, as I mentioned, such a, a star-studded cast from the Bitcoin world to Riga. I think it's very exciting. Andreas Antonopoulos, Adam Back, Elizabeth Stark, uh, Tour de Meester, Henry Broad, uh, Peter Todd, Whale Panda, among others. Um, just going from memory here, I mean, how did you guys assemble such a, uh, such a really exciting lineup for Bitcoin in Riga? If I can add something, uh, the, the first time I saw the, the web page and I entered the uh, access the Baltic Honey Badger Conference, well, now you, you know I have fake coins and, and scam coins. I thought this was the first scam or fake conference. I mean, these guys cannot possibly have this lineup there all the way in Latvia. This is amazing. So, <laughs> co- congrats, man. This is a great job you've done. I mean, all, all credits go to Max. I don't know how he did that, but um, definitely um, that was that. That's his effort. Yeah, I'm, I'm, as, as we joke, I'm a bit on steroids here, you know. <laughs> well, actually, community have been very supportive, you know. We, we invite one speaker, uh, he offers another speaker, then another speaker. Hey, guys, I heard from these two guys that you are organizing something in Riga, blah, blah, blah. So uh, basically, uh, I, I, would, I would say 50% of this work is uh, thanks to our speakers, partners, and, and community. They've been really helpful, and and uh, that's what's amazed me about the Bitcoin community. You know, people are willing to share ideas, people are willing to help each other, and uh, without them, uh, we'll still probably would have a decent lineup. But you know, it's 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 community. I, I think it's like fifty percent community-based conference. And uh, another reason uh, I think that people are a bit tired of these blockchain conferences, you know, we need to put everything on the blockchain uh, and uh, let's launch an ICO, let's advertise ICO, let's do this. I'm trying to pitch and sell something that I don't believe, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So people are, are actually willing to have a proper Bitcoin conference without any ICO involvement um, or at least without any advertising of ICO, without any guys who are saying, well, yeah, blockchain is good, but Bitcoin is, uh, you know, is, is bad. And um, I think that's that's the main reason why, why we did it. And I really hope that it will be a great, great conference where we're doing our best here, trying to organize everything properly. And um, well, we're actually we're we're laughing with Rome because each day we receive like two three offers from ICO coming ICO or existing ICO with an offer guys we can send you money uh, but our uh, I don't know CEO great guy he will come and and will and will pitch an ICO to, to these guys that coming to a conference and we're like we're dismissing them even not answering on the, on these letters so yeah we we rejected uh, each one of those offers i think they're kind of getting desperate these days those ico guys <laughs> yeah one uh, one point to that that was actually going to be one of our questions you know there was a little bit of rumbling with that at the uh, the recent scaling bitcoin conference i think some icos were were, were sponsoring and and uh, yeah I, I don't know the whole backstory but there was just a little bit of rumbling that Basically, people, when you're talking about something as important as scaling Bitcoin, that you shouldn't have any sort of ICO advertising involved, uh, if that was the case. But maybe just a little bit more to, to push on that. What do you think in general? I mean, what was your approach when you were thinking about bringing people to Riga, supporting this, advertising for it? You know, how were you approaching how you wanted this conference to be marketed, to be uh, to be sponsored? I mean, when it's such a you know, such an important thing, obviously, is money that can be politicized. What was your approach? Just just go a little bit further regarding, you know, accepting ICOs, not accepting ICOs, accepting other corporate sponsorships or not. Uh, I, I think that the general idea for me and Max was just to have a really great conference in Riga. And, well, I realized, like, one of the organizers of the conference is our exchange, but uh, it's not about advertising the exchange. It's about bringing 
uh, great people together. And it's really rare these days, as you as you mentioned, like even on scale in Bitcoin, ICOs were sponsoring and there was this, um, you know, um, feeling that, some, that something's not right. Um, what we want to do is just sell tickets and, you know, fund the conference this way to, to bring all the great people together. Uh, and that's the only thing um, we were trying to do. We, we have a couple of sponsors, but we uh, really pick them um, really carefully. So, um, yeah, the, the idea is Roma mentioned, which is, we just, uh, you know, we just want to make a break even, which we already reached. There's no idea to 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 make a profit out of the conference because we have our own projects uh, exchange and, and other projects that we hope and we believe will make a money. Uh, we're doing this for community, you know, because uh, we strongly believe that uh, we should give back something. It's our effort. It's our small investment to. Bitcoin community, because if at least one or two person who will came to this conference and not familiar with Bitcoin concept or they're less familiar and after that conference, they will start believing this and uh, they will start, they will probably maybe buy a first fraction of Bitcoin, something like that. Then I think our job is done there. Uh, and also we're, we're, we're willing to, to spend our profits if we will have them on charity. So. I think uh, if we will be able to raise enough funds to help some, uh, some, some, some charity things here in Latvia, that, that I think it, it's useful. It's it's worth it. I think that's a very uh, good attitude and, and good way to go about it. One more question on sort of the goals or meaning of the conference, and I think you guys have pretty much, uh, pretty much gotten the point across. But just to make sure we hit the bullseye here, the name Baltic Honey Badger Bitcoin Conference. For those that maybe have been living under a log, haven't really watched YouTube, or um, I don't know, even my mother listening, why, why have you guys chosen the Baltic Honey Badger as the name for the, uh, for the conference? Um, just explain a little bit your philosophy behind picking that name. So there was this famous video on YouTube um, some time ago, which was called Honey Badger. You know, it was... Um, it was just a guy with a very funny voice uh, describing how badass a honey badger is, showing the video of a honey badger uh, hunting snakes and, and bees and whatnot. Um, and so at some point, the Bitcoin community picked this um, up and made it into a meme um, that stated that Bitcoin is the honey badger of money. And I think somebody even had a poster in, in uh, California somewhere um, a huge one on the road that depicted uh, honey badger and uh, the Bitcoin logo. Um, and so we decided to, to name the conference after that uh, animal. So I think uh, Baltic honey badger is, is a great name um, and it's painted in uh, Latvian uh, flag colors. Um, so we thought it's funny and it's also, um, it looks great. So I, I just like the name and I think Max liked it too. Yeah, and uh, I insisted that it should be Baltic honey badger because, you know, we're, we're in Baltics and we want to promote a local region. Uh, well, you know, look at the, at the name of our exchange, you know, we're, we're like... Basically a meme. <laughs> and the name of our exchange is also Bitcoin meme hodl. And, uh, well, memes are open source just like Bitcoin, you know, and why not? Come on. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we should have made this this show actually, I, I think a week or 10 days ago, but I, I couldn't manage to, to be on the show. And uh, fortunately, we are doing it right now. But one of the questions I wanted to ask 10 days ago was, so when the conference kicks off, would we be holding BTC or B2X? Well, now we certainly know that B2X is no longer going forward, or at least uh, I'd say 90% of the community, yeah, miners and users and exchanges and wallet services, they're not going through with this, with this hard fork. But we're sure holding uh, perhaps a Bitcoin Cash or a Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin Classic or Bitcoin Cash Plus or, or Bitcoin Gold. I mean, what's your, what's your view on all these Bitcoin uh, <laughs> herrings we have now? Well, well, first I need to correct you. It's not. Uh, it's B Cash. You know, it's <laughs> okay, called B Cash. Right. Uh, yeah, B Cash. One more time, B Cash. Repeat after me. Sorry. So yeah. Well. Uh, honestly, we don't care uh, 
who is holding what. We're, we love Bitcoin. We're making this for Bitcoin community. If anyone is willing to make another conference dedicated to uh, cash or something like that, well, it's up to them to spend their money on that. But we, if, if you ask us, we will, prob- we will hold the Bitcoin, definitely. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the whole forks uh, situation is, is kind of bizarre, and but at this point, everybody realizes it was just uh, uh, an attempt of uh, at manipulation and and an, an attack on Bitcoin. I don't think uh, the cancellation of Segwit2x was planned uh, initially, uh, but maybe they just realized, hey, there, there's no way it's going to work, um, so we're just going to change the tunes and and maybe um, try to pump. Uh, Bcash, so who knows? Um, but that didn't work either. Um, maybe they made some money out of it. Who knows? But I don't really have any um, significant opinion on that, um, other that I just you know hold bitcoins and that's it. Um, I don't consider any other forks to be um, Bitcoin. I, I would add this, like, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of people on Twitter uh, these days, they're complaining that, hey, why is this exchange not supporting, um, not supporting Segwit2, uh, I'm sorry, Bcash or or Bitcoin Gold, or why uh, aren't they giving us our money, right? Because we, if we, if we store our Bitcoins with them, then we are entitled to receive our property, which is like Bcash or Bitcoin Gold or whatever it is. Um, I think this is uh, really uh, the wrong way to look at it because it's not your property because it's not your keys. You entrusted Bitcoins to an exchange and therefore uh, technically they're they're able to do whatever they want with it. And most exchanges choose not to deal with it because really it's it's a lot of it's a lot of effort to make sure that uh, to support this uh, to support those forks. Um, as I said, supporting another altcoin, another fork, it's just it's a security risk. Uh, it's a lot of uh, engineers wasting their time uh, and uh, and effort. So I think uh, exchanges are quite justified in in their non-support of of, the, of those forks. If you want to have Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin Gold or any other fork, um, keep your uh, Bitcoins in your own wallet. That's uh, um, that's my stand on it. Yeah, completely agree with that. And uh, we, we've talked about this a lot on our show as well. Uh, no doubt it's been talked about in a million other places. Uh, but I do want to bring up something, uh, I guess, uh, central to our show here. And I want to ask Fernando, and then we can all sort of, uh, sort of go off of that. But, you know, we have interviewed uh, Eric Voorhees, uh, who was obviously a signer of uh, the Segway2x agreement, the New York agreement. We have interviewed Trace Mayer. We were in New York about a month ago, interviewed a lot of people. And all of them basically, at least at the time, of course, you know, this was like September, October when these interviews were taking place. All of them were of the opinion that the fork would happen uh, in one way or another. Trace maybe was not as direct, but he said they better, they better do it. They signed an agreement. <laughs> so uh, all of them have uh, ha- had sort of thought that it was going to happen uh, the Segwit2x fork. And Fernando, you were pretty prescient looking at the GitHub and looking at the community in, in whatever way you did it. But Fernando, maybe you, we should roll into that discussion for now. Like, how, how did you see that that was not going to happen, the Segwit2x fork? Which again, it's, it's perhaps tomorrow, it could happen still in some small shape or form, but, but it seems that it won't happen. Sure. I think was the way I read the situation, the way I read all the communications, the statements, the Twitter feed, all the, the proponents behind it or the main proponents behind it, and some basic facts as well that made me uh, made me think that perhaps this was a grand bluff in the sense they were trying to force the hand of Bitcoin Core and maybe Bitcoin Core would capitulate and say, okay, maybe this is a good way to go and we will write code to make a hard fork uh, happen in, in the soon or in a few months. And if you, this is one of the metrics that I used. If you, if you saw the, if you access the GitHub repository, I mean, there was nothing going on there. If you access the mailing, the developers mailing list for Segwit2x, the same. And then they went into this, what they said, the, the silence period where they, they wouldn't make any change to the code or any test or anything. I mean, 
Come on, you're gonna hard fork a hundred billion dollar market cap currency, and you're not gonna even test it, and you're gonna do it in three months' time. I mean, a lot of these basic facts made me, or my intuition, realize perhaps this was, perhaps it was never really intended to hard fork. I don't know. At least not to hard fork on their own. Perhaps it was really intended to make a Bitcoin core supporters and developers capitulate and go with them, but not on their own. That was perhaps my main realization. And in the end, I think I think it was right. I think that's a very good take on it. Um, definitely, there was not a lot of activity going on uh, in the repository and the mailing list. Uh, and it was really um, bizarre to, to, um, to even think how, how can this project survive without developers. So yeah, I think, uh, well, I, w- I wouldn't be able to predict that they wouldn't fork given that Big Bcash did the same thing in August, but yeah, <laughs> uh, good prediction here. Well, I think that, that, that I don't say that people who signed this agreement are bad or, or they had probably good intention and at some point it helped to achieve some goals and these people are running huge businesses. They onboarded like a, a lot of users, uh, probably. But uh, in my opinion, if you are cyberpunk, which you say that you are, you you must stay, you know, classy in that in that case. You must stay till the end with your cyberpunk. And if you're and if you're like you know signing a closed door agreements to to solve issues then probably you are not so much cyberpunk and you are not so much within community because community is not supporting these close agreements and uh, i think that's that was the main problem with me you know some some guys are even the big guys and and, and i say they're good guys and and, and they are building their businesses and then spreading the word and helping the community but if you are solving these issues behind closed door, I'm not. Uh, that's not the division, and and that's not the Bitcoin that I have signed for. As as one of person uh, famous within community used to say, um, no way. And and then I'm curious, what what do you think, Fernando, about the fact that the uh, the cancellation of Segwit 2x was basically signed by four guys. <laughs> Yeah, I think also this is a another representation of, of what this fork was all about. I mean, there was no real community backing and no real, of course, no developers, no real Bitcoin or active Bitcoin developers behind this. And as, as Roman and, and Max said, I think in the end it was all about the process. I also, I don't assume bad intentions from any of the parties involved People from BitGo and, and from all the companies that were involved there. I don't think they were they they meant not well for Bitcoin. But I think the process was uh, ill-advised and unwarranted. This is not how you how we should scale Bitcoin. And I do understand how. Perhaps this is the, one of the the main points of discussion of of uh, friction and misunderstanding. The fact of the matter is, it's really difficult to scale a peer-to-peer currency that's that works like Bitcoin on a decentralized network, on a dis- distributed consensus, on a free open source software. This is really, really, really difficult. And uh, <laughs> consensus is hard. And we're fine. Th- these people end up finding this the hard way, unfortunately. From my side, what's interesting, obviously, uh, we, we're hopefully not jumping the gun too much in uh, Fernando's prediction is I think the SegWit block should be tomorrow, but I'm looking at Coindance right now and um, the last the thousand blocks, it's just steadily decreasing any signal for SegWit 2x. Uh, there, there still is some, but um, you know, maybe 10 to 20% in the last 500 blocks. But regardless, I think from, from my side, this is uh, for sure after tomorrow will be the end of sort of the first chapter in Bitcoin's in Bitcoin scaling. At least is how I'm looking at it. It's a long chapter. It's been three, four years. But we're finally coming out of uh, just a, a period of a lot of vitriol and a lot of, uh, a lot of opinions on Twitter uh, that really don't mean anything. And as you guys, I think, have all aptly pointed, the community just simply wasn't behind it. It's still interesting, this uh, Bitcoin cash fork nonetheless, I, uh, we had a lot of activity this weekend. Uh, some people have been classified as attack and the uh, attack on Bitcoin proper and the Bitcoin Cash Bcash. Excuse me, Max. The Bcash 
price uh, pump. <laughs> Big cash, come on. Sorry, but uh, I, I don't know if you guys want to comment, if you guys want to comment on that uh, as well, or do you think that's just, uh, just noise? Yeah, I was speaking with, with one, one of the guys who is, uh, he's actually a very, very good trader and, and the big one. And uh, he said that it was like phenomenal pump and dump, uh, the biggest one that he actually saw within the crypto community. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm saying as it is, it's, it's, uh, it's not organic. It's, it's just pump and dump. And uh, unfortunately, I think that some people actually lost their money uh, on that buying the, the, the top. And then believing that uh, you know uh, we've been overtaken by by another another thing. So, but nevertheless, I think I, I think uh, Bcash um, is a, well. I'm, I'm still tempted to call it Bitcoin Cash because um, I don't want to piss off Roger Ver um, <laughs> for no uh, reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Roma, Roma, Ro, as I, as I mentioned, Roma is more polite. He's intelligent. I'm I'm like I'm naming things that they should be named in my humble opinion, you know. But it's my opinion. I'm not not stating that right. everyone should agree with that. <laughs> so so I think Bitcoin Cash is a, is a, is an important and necessary experiment that you know it shows it, it will show us uh, what happens to a cryptocurrency. Uh, with a large uh, block size, uh, and I think maybe not, but the intentions are they they want to increase it more later or not, whatever. But we're just going to see the economic effects of that, and uh, maybe the whole argument about increasing the block size um, will soon be uh, gone forever, thanks to uh, Bitcoin Cash. But there will be other arguments, and I think there will be more attacks on Bitcoin in the future, and uh, they're going to become more sophisticated because, you know, the, the amount of drama in Bitcoin each year increases. Like if you look back at, at 2013, well, we had Mt. Gox collapse. Okay, but then what happened in 2015 is just really incomparable. Bitstamp got hacked, Bitfinex got hacked, lots of other exchanges got hacked. Then we had the scaling debate, then we have forks and ICOs, and it's just going to go on and on and on, and we're just going to have to uh, immunize ourselves against those attacks. Uh, and that's why they're going to be more sophisticated to sort of bypass this immunity that that we developed. So I think that's the future that awaits us and we have to be prepared. Well, I, I fully agree with Roman. I think this, uh, in the end, this will make more the, the whole episode with Bitcoin, with Sego2x, with Bitcoin Cash or Bcash or whatever, it will make a Bitcoin more resilient. And if you follow the, the IRC or the, all the developers where they have the, their weekly meetings, for me it was in, in, incre incredible actually to see their activity with B2X, how they were really thinking about how to immunize the system, how to make it more robust, how to make full nodes reject malicious nodes and so on. So I think in the end, this would, will even make uh, Bitcoin come out as a more resilient uh, currency. But uh, we're sure this is, this is not the, end, the last one, as Roman said. Uh, uh, Segwit2x was, I think they said the wording was, was suspended. So they might have another sag with two or four or sixteen X in the future, and they will come. And this will not be the last one. And now I, I want to ask Roman, since he's the more technical guy. So what do you think should be the approach to Bitcoin scaling? Are we uh, are we on the right path? I mean, a Bitcoin Core. Is there any other way, or would you have any alternative or suggestion? Mm, well. So the, the, the current consensus, <laughs> if I may use that word, is that we need uh, the second layer, uh, which, is, which seems to be the Lightning Network. I, th I also think there's going to be other second layer solutions that are not exactly uh, like the Lightning Network, but maybe more like federated nodes. And maybe we'll see those solutions coexisting and, and um, maybe they're going to be used for different, uh, in, in different cases. Um, and for different markets. But if we're talking about the Lightning Network, um, and we've just been discussing this with uh, our colleagues, what we need to, th to start thinking about is uh, building hub architecture uh, and implementing it. Because 
right now, I, I don't think a lot of people are thinking about that. But basically, what people have been saying for a lot of years is that opening a uh, Lightning Network channel would be like opening an account, right? So uh, if you want to buy something from someone, you have to open the Lightning channel with, with this person or, or this merchant. But then how often do you buy from this merchant to open this expensive uh, channel given uh, today's transaction fees? And so what we really need, we need to have a system of Lightning hubs where you just open a channel with one hub and then this hub is connected to other hubs and, and many different merchants. And uh, this is how payments are probably going to go from the consumer to to the merchant through those hubs. Um, at least that's the that's the architecture that that I envision for the Lightning Network. I might be wrong here. Um, I was talking to you guys um, a little bit uh, last week, and we were talking a little bit about altcoins and uh, alternative crypto assets. Do you have any? Uh, view on how the development of those cryptocurrencies, crypto projects will affect uh, such development uh, that you're talking about uh, in Bitcoin? Roma actually has a very nice theory about other other cryptocurrencies developing some interesting things. And um, Roma, you used to say that uh, if uh, one cryptocurrency will be able to to create some interesting feature, then uh, probably at some point of time, uh, Bitcoin team will uh, or Bitcoin engineers will will develop and uh, the same the same feature or will take this feature in order to add it to, to the Bitcoin. Right, and that's exactly that's actually what happened. Um, ironically, that's what happened with Segwit, right? Because Litecoin had this fork first, um, the soft fork that, that enabled Segwit. And, uh, and then ev even though it was implemented by the core team, as far as I understand. So uh, yeah, the, the, the idea is that this is why Bitcoin is, gonna, is going to remain the dominant uh, cryptocurrency, probably, because uh, any significant important feature that other cryptocurrencies uh, may implement, uh, if the market demands it, then Bitcoin would have no option but to implement it as well to uh, keep its dominant position, provided that this feature is secure and, and the market really wants it. And it's not just some people pushing their agenda. Um, so yeah, but I th also think that, li that Litecoin specifically uh, might be important. Um, I don't think it's gonna be, I, I don't think its market share is gonna be larger uh, than Bitcoin's uh, at any point. I think it's gonna remain where it is now, more or less. Uh, but it's also an important uh, cryptocurrency because it's technologically very close to Bitcoin. And it, it's kind of a plan B for Bitcoin, right? Um, anything happens to Bitcoin, uh, any, any malicious uh, attack um, succeeds, then we still have Litecoin, at least in theory. Um, so yeah, I, I, in that sense, I do like Litecoin, but I wouldn't bet on it big time. If I may add, uh, I think that other cryptocurrencies is actually a great thing. Uh, I, I think that the more we have different technologies, the more we have different crypto crypto engineers is better overall for industry because you know where we can compare, we can uh, we can use different crypto for different case scenario. And as I mentioned, yeah, I'm, I'm fan more of the cypherpunk uh, cri cryptocurrencies like uh, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Monero. I, I'm less attracted by the cryptocurrencies that are heavily marketed, you know, and and, and pushed uh, all, all, all over from the news and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm more like you know, keeping low in organic growth, something like that, and then the, the perfect tech behind that. Yeah, I'm sure that we're going to talk about all of that and more uh, next week in Riga, and I'm very excited about uh, that. Guys, before we wrap it up, is there anything else you'd like to say regarding Huddle Huddle or regarding the conference uh, coming up in uh, a little over a week? I would like to thank you for this uh, option uh, and, and opportunity to, to, to speak about our projects. Thank you very much. From from our team and from from me personally, and um, love to see you all in Riga. We hope that we will be able to organize a conference next year as well. Uh, so uh, it's an invitation for next year, and we hope to roll out Hodo Hodo as fast as it will be possible, and we hope that it will be useful to community.
Right. Uh, there's there's not a lot of time before the conference, but uh, in the case this uh, podcast is going to be released before the conference, I would encourage everyone, at least who's in Riga, uh, to um, to visit the conference because it's going to be great. Lots of great speakers, as uh, Matthew already mentioned. I don't know if it's going to be cold or not in Riga. I I think it's going to be cold, but um, don't think that's going to be a problem for us because um, the conference is great. Uh, thank you, Matthew, and thank you, Fernando, uh, for uh, speaking to us. Really pleased to uh, that that you had us on the podcast. Yeah. So from my side, I can only wish Max, Roman, and Matthew as well to have a great conference. I've been in Riga already. It's a, it's an amazing city. I really wish I was there for the conference, but unfortunately, I cannot be there. But it's gonna be a historic conference. So I can only wish you guys all the best and congrats again on putting uh, putting on, putting out the show. It's it's great. And we will, uh, this show will be released on Friday the 17th, so we'll have uh, links in the show notes on how to sign up for the conference, more on Huddle Huddle and everything else. And yeah, just to echo what everybody's already said, Riga really is uh, a beautiful town and I'm very excited um, to see uh, a lot of stars in the Bitcoin space uh, descending on Riga for, uh, for next weekend. I think it's going to be really, really memorable and really, uh, really unique. And uh, I've been living in Riga most of my adult life, so it's really, it's really a beautiful city. So very excited to, uh, to show that off and very excited um, and commend you guys for uh, putting together uh, such a great show. So with that, look forward to uh, seeing you guys next week at the big show and talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks. See you. Thanks a lot. Take, Take care. care. Take care. Bye-bye.